Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. That's just, you know, you had it. We just had to do a group hug. I mean, it's these guys, you know, I, I met uh, uh, Jesse and Jessica. I don't know if it was the first time we met, but, um, but it was in San Diego. There was like this outbreak of the spirit in this uh, church, and um, it was like a, it's like a boxing arena church type of thing, and, and we just got drunk in the spirit. And I think it was Julia and Jess, like they just got so drunk and um, yeah, remember that? Like that, that, yeah, you guys were not married. No. The thumb grew out. Yeah, we had a, a thumb, thumb grow out. Um, this guy had a lawn mowing or, or something about gardening. And uh, it's over there. You're good. And, uh, and my, my dad was there. And, and uh, so he put his hand where his thumb would have been. And then I put my hand over my dad's. And we, we, he, we took it off. And he had a new thumb. And he had no thumbnail. And then we had the students pray for the thumbnail. But, uh, but that's where I first met these guys. Or it might have been one of our first meetings. And then, yeah, Chris and James. See, what was pretty epic about that is we met at VCC um, down in Laguna Niguel. Yeah. Uh, we were doing a Jesus Culture conference, and, and uh, Chris and James came up to me, and we were talking, and I'm like, you guys surf? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, after the night meeting, let's go for a night surf. And that was like our first time hanging out as I took these guys night surfing like the first day I met them. So anyways, <laughs> kind of got baptized by fire. Um, I, I love to surf. I love to night surf. Uh, and um, anyways, uh, I, I love, I probably have night surfed over a thousand times. Uh, started in Huntington Beach Pier uh, when I was uh, 10 years old. That was my first time going night surfing. But uh, anyways, I'm a little crazy, and, uh, and I love hanging out with friends that are a little crazy as well. <laughs> These guys are crazy in all the right ways. And so um, I'm so excited to be with you guys. Uh, we just put on Catch the Wave, and it was pretty amazing. And so I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm really feeling my heart is full. I feel like I've been pinching myself all weekend. Like, this has got to be a dream. This is a dream that I had uh, two years ago um, where, uh, where I'll, I'll, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to hit this first. Is I feel like there is a wave of evangelism. And, you know, I was raised by two evangelists. Man, I'm about ready to cry. This is, inter- you know, that's, that's good. That's a good, I love it when I cry. And, um, but, uh, I was raised by two evangelists, you know, my mom and dad, Kevin and Teresa, they had a church, church 24-7 in Huntington Beach, and, um, and they modeled just love so well, and, um, and I feel like from really, you know, honestly, I would say 2010 to almost 2014, 15, I felt like I was on an evangelism detox, you know, that, that it, it was just, but something just hit me in 2014, 15. And I feel like I'm starting to see the fruit of like, a, you know, where I'm seeing a wave of evangelism. And I want to just read this because uh, we have to understand. Benny Hinn told me, Chad, when Oral Roberts and uh, Billy Graham die, there's going to be, there's going to be a generation that steps into the mantles that they both carried. 
that, um, and so I had a dream that he told me that in 2007, and I was, and then he introduced me to Oral Roberts uh, in 2006, uh, Benny Hinn, and I became good friends with Oral where I would hang out at his house near Fashion Island, and I would just ask him questions, and, and he's just, he was a legend, you know, and so, and then he went on to be with the Lord, and then Billy Graham went on to be with the Lord earlier this year in February. I was in New Zealand. Uh, this was uh, February 22nd, which 222 is a big deal to me. Like I have, a, you know, that's like one of the big things that God speaks to me uh, about is those numbers. And it represents a lot of different things, but it represents unity. Um, and uh, that's, it's Ephesians 222, married to Revelations 22. Uh, but anyways, that's not my message. <laughs> And, uh, but, but I had a dream on February 22nd this year, uh, that I was in this huge warehouse and Oral Roberts and Billy Graham were there doing an impartation service to, they said, we've come here to lay hands on everybody. And so I got laid out by Oral and Billy and then I woke up and I'm, you know, a day ahead, uh, in New Zealand, the Billy Graham dies. People start blowing up my phone. Billy Graham just passed away. And I'm like, oh, wow, I just had a dream that I was in like a convent, like a big warehouse, and they just prayed for everybody. And, uh, and so this is um, uh, Donald Trump, our president. He uh, did the speech um, for his funeral, and I just feel like it's really important for me to read this. And, you know, some of you maybe, you know, love Trump. Maybe you don't like Trump. This is not like a political deal. You have to understand there's something about, first of all, we all know God ordains our leaders, right? And that there's something that they carry. They carry weight. They're gatekeepers. They're, 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 there's something about when your president, your leader decrees something, it begins to manifest in the land. And this is President Trump uh, doing Billy Graham's funeral. In the spring of 1934, Billy Graham's father allowed a group of Charlotte businessmen to use a portion of the family's dairy farm to gather for a day of prayer. On that day, the men prayed for the city. They prayed that out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We are here today more than 80 years later because that prayer was truly answered. Billy Graham was 15 years old at the time. Just a few months later, he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That choice didn't change Billy Graham's life. It changed our lives. It changed our country, and it changed, in fact, the entire world. The North Carolina farm boy walked out of those fields into a great and beautiful history. Starting at a small Bible school in Florida, he soon led a nationwide revival from a large tent in Los Angeles to 100,000 people in a single day at Yankee Stadium to more than 2 million people at Madison Square Garden over 16 weeks in 1957. And I remember that because my father said to me, come on, son. And by the way, he said, come on, mom, let's go see Billy Graham at Yankee Stadium. And it was something very special. But Americans came in droves to hear that great young preacher. Fred Trump was a big fan. Fred Trump was my father. In London, Tokyo, Seoul, uh, Moscow, New Delhi, Saigon, Johannesburg, and scores of other places all over the world, Reverend Graham showed the, sh shared the power of God's word with more than 200 million people in person and countless others through television and radio where people love to watch and listen. In 1978, with the support of the Catholic bishop, would soon become Pope John Paul II, 
Reverend Graham went to Poland and spoke of the meaning of the cross to a people suffering under the soulless oppression of communism. Billy Graham carried his message around the world, but his heart, as Franklin will tell you, was always in America. He took his message to the poorest places, to the downtrodden, and to the brokenhearted, to inmates in prison, and to the overlooked and the neglected. He felt a great passion for those that were neglected. Everywhere he went, Reverend Graham delivered the same beautiful message, God loves you. That was his message, God loves you. We can only imagine the number of lives touched by the preaching and the prayers of Billy Graham, the hearts he changed, the sorrows he eased, and the joy he brought to so many. The testimony is endless. Today we give thanks for this extraordinary life. It's very fitting that we do so right here in the rotunda of the United States Capitol, where the memory of the American people is enshrined. Here in this room, we are reminded that America is a nation sustained by prayer. The painting to my left is of the pilgrims as they embark for America, holding fast in the Bible and bowing their heads in prayer. Along these walls, we see the faces of Americans who prayed as they stood on the Lexington Green, who prayed as they headed west, prayed as they headed into battle, and prayed as they marched for justice, always marching for victory. Yeah, so you could get excited. Around us stands the statues of heroes who led the nation in prayer. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but this is, wrecks me. And I've read this probably about a good 20, 30 times. And today in the center of this great chamber lies legendary Billy Graham, an ambassador to Christ who reminded the world of the power of prayer and the gift of God's grace. Today we honor him as only three private citizens before him have so, have, we have so honored. And like the faithful of Charlotte once did, this is the kicker. This is the whole, you know, this is the big reason for reading this. This is what he released. He released an impartation. He released a well to be opened for America. And like the faithful of Charlotte once did, today we say a prayer for our country and that across this land, the Lord will raise up men and women like Billy Graham to spread a message of love and hope to every precious child of God. Thank you and God bless America. So happy I was able to get through that. But I have just been in this place where the Lord's been speaking to me about intercession. He's been speaking to me about prayer. And uh, I've, um, I was raised, you know, my, my parents took me to prayer meetings. Uh, I would fall asleep under a chair. Uh, you know, my grandma was this crazy intercessor. She's charismatic Catholic, would do meetings with Catherine Coleman. And she would, you know, she, she taught me how to fly in the spirit when I was four years old. She, uh, um, she called me, uh, I remember this, when I was 10 years old, she called me and said, Chad, I've been praying for you since 2 a.m., and um, God is doing this and this and this. You're wearing a red shirt right now, and I'm in, like, Huntington Beach, and she's in Reno, and I'm, we're not FaceTiming. This is, like, 1991, and I look down, I'm wearing a red shirt, and I'm like, okay, Grandma, you know, is bringing the heat. And so, you know, <laughs> she was able to really model intercession, and, uh, and, and I just love intercession. I love intercessors, and I love spending time with the Lord. I love praying. It's all about friendship, and in 2014, God, uh, I had a, a pretty radical encounter with the Lord. I just did 
This was pretty crazy because we did a, I ministered in Heritage Church in San Clemente, and, uh, and my interns and I, we were camping. I was actually staying at Eric and Cindy Peterson's. Eric's right there. Eric is a, an amazing father in Julie and I's life. And, uh, but we were staying at the Peterson's, and, uh, and my intern team was staying in San Clemente uh, at the campgrounds, and there was a tsunami warning. So my interns call me and say, hey, there's a tsunami warning. Like, what should we do? I think Eric was traveling, and me and Cindy and Julia were like, well, should they come over to the house? And we're like, well, tsunami warning. Like, should we be leaving? You know, and they had a tsunami warning from San Clemente to Pismo Beach. And that next day, I was ministering in Pismo Beach at a conference with Heidi Baker. So crazy that the tsunami warning was where I was at currently to the next place that I was ministering to, which is a pretty wide, you know, that's, that's a you know, few hundred miles. And I was like, okay, God's doing something. And I would always hear these prophetic words from like Heidi Baker, Bob Jones. There's a wave of the spirit coming. Like, Chad, you're a surfer. You know, like you, you're, Jill Austin would prophesy over this all the time to me in 2005 and six and seven. Chad, you're going to ride the wave of the spirit. There's going to be a whole nother Jesus people movement. And, you know, this constant like bombardment of this prophetic word. There's a wave coming. And then I'm like in an actual tsunami, like warning, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is getting crazy. But from that conference in Pismo Beach, I drove up to Reading and I was in my my kitchen at 11 o'clock at night just trying to grab some food. And this angel comes to me and touches me in my heart. And then suddenly I see the father in the throne room and the father begins to give me these scrolls. And one of the scrolls says uh, uh, authenticity. Another scroll says vulnerability. Another scroll says uh, presence. But, but then, like, under presence, it's present. And so uh, the Lord's like, hey, I, I want you to eat these scrolls, but I want you to begin to intercede for a generation. I want you to begin to intercede, uh, you know, for, you know, and I got reminded of all my junior high kids. And uh, when I was, I, uh, in 2005, I was a junior high pastor, and I didn't realize that God was setting me up, that God was having me be a father to a generation. And, and I was an only child up to about 10 and a half years old. And then my sister was born. So those that I like fathered that were 10, 11, 12 years old, that, my, my, that was my sister's age. And so I didn't realize that I was in this like God was already, you know, cultivating, grooming. And he's like, Chad, I want you to learn more of the language of heaven and how to articulate it to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. And I want you to study the 60s and what was going on in the country in the 60s, what was going on with the baby boomers and their rites of passage, that, that they were on a journey of discovery. They were on a journey of asking, you know, what is my America going to look like? Who, you know, what is, what is religion? Who is this God that, where you had a lot of different things that were happening in the 60s before the Jesus people movement? And he's like, I want you to study the 60s and the correlating factors of what's going on in today's, you know, generation. And so I began to study millennials. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Like I've discovered that I was a tweener. You know, that was an interesting deal that I guess tweeners are like 79 to 83. And um, so I'm 81, baby. And so I'm not a millennial or a Gen Xer, I guess. And, uh, but, but I definitely identified quite a bit with Gen Xers. And, uh, and then I, I started kind of studying, okay, yeah, like, and there's, there's this crazy, you know, where you hear people talk about millennials of they're entitled, they're all stuff. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, just like the, you know, and what the baby boomers had to go through of being labeled rebellious, being re- labeled, you know, uh, anti-American. 
And you, you have to understand like where we had the first great awakening and on if you studied the church and statistics where of those that grow up in church, ages 18 through 25, about 50% stayed in the church. Now, some come in their late 20s, early 30s, but they're talking about the ages of 18 through 25, those that grow up in the church, about 50% stay in the church. And in the late 50s into the 60s, it dropped below 20%. So there began this, you know, a generational kind of gap in the church. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's pretty intriguing if you study the Jesus people movement and the, the, the points of conflict, you know, that that, hey, you can't come to church unless you're wearing, like, a suit or you're wearing shoes or you have no facial hair or you can't have long hair. You know, like, there was a couple things like that. And, like, you know, drums. Drums were a huge, like, hot topic in the church because drums were associated with witchcraft. And so, like, that, drums were way harder sell than the electric guitar for the church, which is crazy. You know, and um, so you had a lot of come as we are, not come as you are. You know, and Chuck Smith, who was a four-square pastor in, in Costa Mesa, told his family, will you go and pick up some hitchhikers? Because I just want to have a conversation with them, which is what is going on there. He's like, hey, I want to understand the language of this generation. I want to begin to just have some conversations where we could build some understanding. And his uh, son-in-law or his future son-in-law picked up Lonnie Frisbee which is not a coincidence. Lonnie Frisbee comes, you know, and hangs out with Chuck and Kay, and and Jesus People Movement is birth. And so there's, um, are you guys doing okay? (laughs) Like, just getting a bunch of different stuff. So there's something about vulnerability. There's something about authenticity. There's something about where I've just been praying, like, okay, yeah, like a generation's kind of been labeled, bombarded, and I'm like, man, this generation, millennials, they're amazing. Like, like, do you understand that, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, there was like social justice classes, but, but ever since the mid 2000s, like late 2000s, there have began to be social justice departments. Like there's been whole new degrees on social justice that have come out because of the demand of a generation for social justice. I mean, I think one of the big things, you know, too, that, that is a, uh, we, we have, we just celebrated the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation with Martin Luther, saved by grace, pretty epic Reformation. And also the empowerment of, you know, translating the Bible into their language where they weren't just reading it in Latin and having priests speak in Latin where they didn't understand what was happening. So the printing press being created, being invented in that time, the Reformation probably would have never have happened if the printing press was not invented. And I don't know if we truly understand the impact and the power of the Internet. And I remember in 2004, I was praying in New England uh, where Jonathan Edwards had the famous message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, Jonathan Edwards is preaching. He has this open vision. He sees like the, the, the uh, floor open up and people start falling into the pit, into hell. And he preaches this famous message, sinners in the hands of, a happy God, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. 
I got ahead of myself. So I was praying where they tore down the building. It's the grass like, you know, field. And I'm praying, God, let there be another awakening in America. And I hear the Lord say, Chad, there's another awakening getting ready to happen. And the message will be saints in the hands of a happy God. And I feel like in the mid 2000s, we began in a reformation of God is good that we have a father who is good. We have a father who loves and is good. I mean, we have these songs like Reckless Love and you know, all this sort of stuff where it is the heart cry of a generation. It's a generation discovering the goodness of our dad. So going back to studying the 60s, and you know, obviously you had the civil rights movement. You had, you know, uh, the anti-war deal. You had, uh, but you had music where you had Bob Dylan. You had these, these voices of a generation. And, you know, the, I remember watching a news clip of Woodstock where this anchor, uh, anchorman gets on the news and he says, hey, do you know, why, why don't you go and look in your teenager's room? If they're not there, they're probably at this fe- festival burning the American flag. It's an anti-American, you know, festival. They're probably naked, doing drugs, you know, uh, you know all this sort of stuff, causing a lot of fear and a lot of different stuff. But what was amazing about Woodstock was it was an aha moment for a generation. And that, that moment was Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner with his electric guitar. Of like, yeah, that's what our America is going to look like. And we have to understand, like, it was 2014 for me where God's like, hey, I want you to begin to learn the language of heaven, but how to articulate it, how to preach the same gospel that's been preached for 2,000 years, Jesus and him crucified, that I only want to know Jesus and him crucified and the power of God, but how to begin to articulate it in this, you know, generation's language. So the Lord's like, I want you to go to Coachella. And see, being an intercessor is so much fun. To be an intercessor is to be, you know, one with the Father, to be connected to the heart of God, and then to be connected to the heart of the people, to be actually like, to, to, to be connected to the land and to the people. And so it's to be a mediator, it's to stand in the gap. And so that's what intercession is all about. And so it's so important to be connected to heaven, but also to be connected to the people. So the Lord's like, I want you to go to Coachella, and I want you to take your sister. And so uh, a lot of people wanted to go with us and make it like more of a ministry trip. And I was like, nah, I feel like this is like an assignment. Like this is like one of those secret agent assignments. So me and my sister go, we're, we're there on Friday, and uh, it's Angus and Julia Stone. Um, and and uh, uh, they tell us, hey, make sure to text your siblings today because it's National Siblings Day. So I was like, me and my sister were like, oh my gosh, we're like here together, you know, for this music festival. And, and uh, the Lord said, hey, I want you to take soil from the prayer chapel in Reading, and I want you to throw it into the, you know, soil, the land of Coachella, and I want you to intercede for a generation. I want you to intercede that people begin to discover me, that they begin to discover, like, my goodness, that, that they were made for relationship, intimacy. And I started praying, God, that people have radical encounters at this music festival and that bring them to school ministry, bring them to BSSM. That's what I was praying. And so I would like throw dirt out in different places and just pray. And, you know, to be an intercessor is so much fun. It really is. It is so much fun. And so uh, I've just, you know, I have this uh, lady who's helping me with social media. 
And I was telling her like, hey, we're like talking about different stories we want to do, different, you know, things. And I'm, I mean, I've been hitting this whole intercession thing. And I'm like, hey, we need to do this story about Coachella. And I'm telling her and she just starts weeping. She says, Chad, like I was on drugs at Coachella 2014. And I had a radical encounter with Jesus at, at the festival. And I just completed third year school of ministry. But I got saved at Coachella. And then she's telling her friend, like a couple of days later, and her friend goes, um, I was at Coachella 2014. I was with my boyfriend there. We were living together. I was running from God. And it was a week later that I had a dream that brought me back to Jesus where I broke up with my boyfriend. And I'm doing first year this year. So, I mean, I love that. But there's, you know, like, I love, like, listening to Bob Dylan and, and Jimi Hendrix and, the, you know, these guys that were the voices of a generation. But I began to listen to the voices of this generation. And, you know, and you have, like, the revamping of a lot of, or not the revamping, but just the, the rebranding, I guess, of different music that, that's coming up with, like, whether it's psychedelic rock, whether it's folk, whether it's EDM, which is not really much. That's just, like, a new sound. And, uh, and it's pretty epic. EDM is awesome. Yeah, that's a shout out for you, Jordan. And, um, but uh, Jordan helped my dad come out with an EDM uh, uh, CD, and it was pretty awesome. With my dad, like, you know, like prophesying and stirring up. And it's just, it's a good, it's a good album to listen to, to like work out with and all stuff. But it was a lot of Jordan. And, uh, but, it, but it's true, though. I mean, like, that is a sound that's here to stay. It's a sound that a generation identifies with. And you have, like, Calvin Harris working with Rihanna. And you have, uh, you know, Coldplay working with the Chainsmokers. And, you know, it's just, it's an amazing. But then you have all these other musical expressions. And, and there's something about going to these concerts and just interceding. Like, like we're, I'm writing right now a whole spiritual like questionnaire where we'll take them to the beaches and we'll take them to music festivals and we'll begin to open up the conversation of spirituality that leads them to open up the door to Jesus. And, you know, the, that you see the 60s, right? There was this whole, like, Eastern, you know, philosophies coming through where you had, a, 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 you know, all the different religions of the East and all the different thoughts. And now, like, that's happening again which is very interesting. You know, there's a lot of correlating factors of what was going on in the 60s and, and now. But um, Jesus. One, another uh, band that I believe is a voice for a generation is 21 Pilots. And uh, I know some of you probably have no idea who they are, but it's okay. They hit anxiety. They kill anxiety. They, they talk about being transparent, vulnerable. They, they're so authentic in who they are. And so they won last year at the Grammys uh, Best New Artist. And then they caught, called in the Grammys Best New Artist. They get up and they just take off their pants. Yeah, they just take off their pants and they're in their underwear, and everyone's screaming, oh, that's so rock star, oh my gosh, you know, and like, that's like, you know, they're putting on, they're doing some kind of uh, stunt, you know, and, and so they get up there to receive their award in their underwear, and they say, hey, uh, five years ago, 
we were um, sitting in our living room. I invited my buddy to come and watch uh, the Grammys. And I was with all my roommates and my buddy here. We had just formed our band and we're in our underwear. And I look at my buddy and I say, hey, if we ever get there, if we ever get to the Grammys, if we ever receive a reward, we need to receive it the same way that we are today. That we're not going to let this industry change us. We're not going to let them like silence our voice, compromise our voice. And he looks at the camera and goes, hey, there's people there uh, in the living rooms right now. You're in your underwear and you don't, you, you like have dreams inside of you and you're going to step into your I'm like weeping, like this is amazing. <laughs> and there's something about authenticity. You know, and that, that one of the most authentic expressions for me praying and spending time with God is out in the water. That's where I encountered God at five years old was in the water. You know, that, that I would go surfing and just spend time with God. I'd go night surfing and be like, Jesus, I love you. You're like, you're just my best friend. Oh my gosh, Lord, let there be a shooting star right over here. And then boom, shooting star. Like that happened a bunch of times which we should just lead to another story. I remember playing basketball, which, you know, authenticity, you know, and that's, that's the deal. You just be who you are with Jesus. He loves you for you. I mean, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. And then if we begin to understand and recognize the different desires that God has put in us, whether they be big or small or what we consider, okay, yeah, that's unspiritual. Surfing, uh, there's been so many times in church environments where I've been told surfing is, is, you know, like you need to give that up. You need to sacrifice, put it on the altar. I remember uh, 18 years old being at Brownsville. And there's our moments of sacrifice. There are moments like anything can become God, take place of God. But what's amazing is through relationship that the things that like make you come alive, whether it's horseback riding, all stuff done in the right way could be your greatest places of authority, your greatest places of intercession. When God is your leader and he's the one that's leading you into that place. And it's this place of friendship and partnership. But I remember 18 being told, hey, if you have other passions other than Jesus, you need to put it on the altar. And I'm like, well, I'm super passionate about surfing. So I put my, you know, gave away my surfboard, the whole deal. And two months later, this hurricane swell hits Florida. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Like, this is one of the ways that I encounter you. This is one of the ways that we are friends. Like, get, you know, so I had to borrow a surfboard. I surfed the hurricane swell, and I love it. I mean, I remember when I was 20, I went to be a missionary in Indonesia, and, and I just stayed with, you know, it was right after 9-11. It was in 2002, and so I just stayed with a lot of Muslims and just, you know, like throwing myself in the deep end. The Lord said, never stay in a hotel, stay with the people. So I went to about 30 islands, and there was a lot of times I knew no one. So I would go to the market and just pray for people, and then I would get to to know some people and they would have me and it was like 99% Muslim. So I stayed with a lot of Muslims and crazy stuff would happen. But I remember being on the plane debriefing with God and God's like, Hey, um, what would you have done differently? And I'm like, well, I really wish I could have surfed more. And his response is, I really wish you would have surfed more too, because I find pleasure in you when you surf. And so I remember, you know, I've always been labeled the donut guy. Like in high school, like I always, you know, because I had surf class in the morning and then I would show up to English or math, depending on the day, at Edison High School. And I was always, in Edison High School, I was known as the donut guy. Like I'd always come with like a donut or two, probably two. 
And, um, and, and I would, you know, because I just got out of the water and I needed a quick breakfast and it was $2, you know, so like it was in my budget and, uh, and, and I really liked donuts. But then what's crazy is in 2005, I, uh, I went in to go get some donuts at, at the grocery store and revival breaks out. You know, and I come here about, what, three years ago, two years ago, and God, you know, wakes me up in the middle of the night and says, you know, Chad, you need to get some donuts, and, you, and I'm going to speak to you as you eat donuts. And I remember being here, like, I don't know if it was two years ago, three years ago, something like that, and I, and I, and I think Chris, you're the one that got me the donuts, and, uh, and, and so I, like, I, like, texted Chris, I'm like, dude, I feel like you need to go get some donuts, God's going to show up through donuts. I'm talking about authenticity, like, like I, didn't, I didn't get the donuts for a show or to, to get donuts to do some kind of performance, to have some kind of stunt. This is authentically me. And I just started eating. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what God's going to do right now. I think I was halfway through the donut. And I'm like, I have no, like, I'm waiting for God just as like you guys are. But I'm enjoying myself eating this donut. <laughs> yeah. And then I got a word of knowledge for you, you know, and started prophesying over you and like all this stuff and started prophesying over other people. And, but it was this place of authenticity. It was this place of, hey, like this is one of the ways that I love to connect with God. Like God loves the things that I love. Jesus. Oh, yeah, I was going to talk about shooting stars. So really quick, basketball. I know, sometimes I get stories within a story. It's like Inception or something. But anyways, uh, we're in the third level right now. So I remember I was with this evangelist guy who uh, used to be like a professional golfer, and we were playing basketball. It was in Tustin Ranch, and, um, and uh, we were playing basketball, and the lights turned off at 10 o'clock. And so we're in the middle of the game, lights shut off, and then you know this guy just starts preaching to them after the basketball. Like, we start connecting with them. We find out that uh, they're Muslims. And, and he says, hey, um, we're going to pray for you, all this stuff. And I look at him, I'm like, hey, have you guys ever seen a shooting star? And they go, no. And I'm like, yeah, I know. We're like in Southern California. Sometimes we don't, you know, you, you don't even see to see the stars sometimes, all the city lights. And, uh, and I'm like, guys, we're, I'm going to prove to you that Jesus is real. And, I, and I'm just, I'm friends with Jesus. And I'm, I'm, we're going to count to three, and we're going to see a shooting star, and that's going to reveal that, that, that Jesus is real. And so one, two, three, let the shooting star come, God, and then boom, shooting star. That my, my evangelist friend doesn't skip a beat. He says, get on your knees. You just witnessed God. And they get on their knees, and he starts like laying hands on them, and they get radically saved. So with that in mind, I want to read this scripture to you. This is Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, Jesus, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. See, this is so huge. Please pick up your kids. Boom. Yes. That he felt compassion, like we need an intercession that, that we get out of just the prayer rooms and we begin to connect with the people. We begin to connect with the land and this place of compassion that Jesus looked over Jerusalem and wept. 
He felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. And I just feel like there is this marriage of prayer and evangelism, that there's this wave of prayer and evangelism. And this is how I'm going to, I'm going to end is with this story. The Lord, the Lord's just been wooing me in this place of intercession. Like, you know, I've been in this place of like, what are my different arrows? You know, what are the different expressions of intercession that I've been in this place of intercession looks like something like we did a beach cleanup that John helped us out so much. He was the anchor of, of that expression. And it was our first time doing a beach clamp where we got about 20 pounds of garbage. And it was crazy. Like, you know, I was stand up paddleboarding Laguna and seeing garbage and going like, inter- I've been in this place where Heidi Baker has a message. Love looks like something. I'm like, well, intercession looks like something. And I see all this garbage. I'm like, well, this is intercession. This is prayer that, that we begin to pick up garbage. And so anyways, we, um, the Lord has been having me in different ways of intercession. And another way is me being a surfer. Uh, I have a, a buddy who's a shaper in Central California. I said, hey, will you shape me some new boards? And normally when you get a board shaped, it's going to say Chad, dimension 6'2", you know, 19 inches wide, whatever. And I said, don't put my name. I want you to put Julia, Brielle, and David on one board. I want you to put Sean Bowles on the other board. I want you to put Joaquin Evans on the other board because these are my arrows. The, every time I take this board out, I'm going to be praying for the person that's on this board. And then I've been buying my buddy's boards. Like I have my buddy in the Central Coast. I bought his lawn board and and he deals with some anxiety so every time I go out I pray for peace I pray that he encounters the prince of peace like these are my arrows these are the different expressions of intercession and I feel like the Lord wants to give you creativity innovation on how to intercede and that it's ridiculously fun because God is so fun he is the funnest being in the universe outside of the universe and, like, you're going to be in heaven for eternity, and you're never going to be bored. Like, you're going to be having some fun. And so the Lord says to me, Chad, I want you to stay. This is my, I'm landing the plane. Last story. But I just feel like there is this harvest with Billy Graham passing. You know, Lou Eagle's about ready to do the send, and, uh, and he's changing the call to the send. And there is this sending, there is this commissioning, there is this, you know, like I could just feel the waves. Let's just catch the wave. And so the Lord says to me, Chad, I want you to go when you, when you travel and speak at places, stay in the, t- in, the, in the center of downtown. Stay, you know, and, and, I, and let the people cut you deep. That you have way more authority in the four walls of the church if you go out there to the art galleries, you go to the city hall, you go to concert venues, you go to sporting events. You go where the people are and let them cut you deep. And so I, that's one thing that I've been doing lately. And so I went to Denver. Jason went with me to Denver. Jason's gone with me a, a couple different places as well. And uh, we went to Denver, and we got into our hotel at 940. I'm a big jacuzzi guy. And I'm like, I got to go into the jacuzzi. It just started snowing. And, and me and my other buddy, uh, Aaron, we jumped in the jacuzzi. And I just asked these guys that are in the jacuzzi, hey, what brought you to Denver? And they're like, oh, we're at the LGBTQ Christian Convention at the convention center across the street. And I'm like, perfect. Like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm in the right place at the right time. 
Because it's so key. We as the church need not to be labeled anymore as people of judgment, but we need to be people of conviction. But we need to create conversations where we're not scared of sin. We're not like, oh my gosh, I have to disassociate. No, we love. Like what did Jesus, Jesus was actually accused of of being a sinner because he was the friend of sinners. He was accused of being a drunkard. He was accused of, of you, know, uh, you know, being sexually promiscuous. Like, but but he, he loved people so well. And that there was this place, there's, that I believe there's a wooing of us as intercessors where we have empathy, where we create understanding, that we begin to ask questions and we begin to love. And so I begin to just ask him, like, what's your journey been? Same-sex attraction in the church, what, what's it been like? And you're starting to hear, like, with their families or whether it be the church, and it just is breaking your heart. And then we get kicked out of the jacuzzi, and I'm like, Jason saw me. I was like, a, you know, I just knew that I was on an assignment. And then we, like, saw these guys at the bar, and we just start ministering to them. And, uh, and, and I'm, I look at one of them, I'm like, hey, what's up with March 18th? And he goes, that's my birthday. And I said, something happened to you at eight years old. Uh, the father in heaven wants to heal you. Something traumatic happened at your eight-year-old eight birthday. And he goes, my, my uncle sexually abused me on my, eight year, my, my eighth birthday. And I, and, I, and I just begin to just love on him and begin to pray for him. And he's encountering the Father's love. And he's just crying. And, and then another guy goes, I want to know the Father that way. I want to know the love of God like that. And then, you know, like we hung out with him the next night. Like there was this, I was like, okay, this is where Jesus would be. And it's so interesting that the Jesus People movement of the 70s, well, that one of the catalytic leaders dealt with same sex. So Jesus, the Lord's calling you to intercession, and it looks like something. You know, that, that he's breaking that, that disillusionment or discouragement of you're in your prayer closet, and it's like, God, are you even hearing me? Like, no, he wants you to get out there to start seeing the fruit of your prayers. So just put your hand on your heart. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you that you're raising up intercessors. You're raising up harvesters. Lord, that, that no longer are we going to compartmentalize and say, oh, I'm an intercessor, you're an evangelist. No, we're all called to pray and we're all called to preach the good news of the gospel. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is plenty. And Lord, that you would begin to raise up laborers, you begin to raise up workers, Lord, that there would be another harvest. But Lord, begin to reveal to us what does intercession look like? What does love look like? So Lord, just wreck us. I pray, Lord, for innovation. I pray, Lord, for creativity. I pray, Lord, for authenticity. You know, and I talked about that scroll of presence and present that, that I feel like the Lord is beginning to teach us on how to be present in the, in, in, in the midst of social media, in the midst of, you know, like taking pictures all the time, selfie stick. The Lord is teaching us on how to be present in his presence. And Lord, I pray in that place of being present that you would begin to kill Giants in our life, giants of fear, giants of intimidation, of, of anxiety. 
Some of you, you're dealing with anxiety, and, you, and, and Jesus wants to encounter you as the Prince of Peace. So, Lord, I just pray that you would rock us. And, Lord, anxiety leaves right now. Worry leaves right now. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for peace. And I pray, Lord, for a slingshot. Lord, that you would slingshot us into the world, that we would carry love. Lord, show us how to be intercessors. Show us how to connect with heaven and how to connect to the land, how to connect to the people. And Lord, let people around us cut us deep. Lord, that we would begin to understand what compassion looks like. Amen. All right, love you guys. Come on. Awesome. How about you guys stand up with me? Stand for me real quick. I'm going to, you guys, uh, man, I love his stories. If you hear with the right ears, you can hear the stories he's telling and who they're for. So if, you, uh, if, you, if, if your heart came alive with some of those stories, recognize that he's prophesying over you. So um, I'm pretty sure I got prophesied for the, next, for the past hour. So yeah, how many of you guys are feeling like, that, that piece of authenticity just, just hit home for you. Just raise your hand. Come on. How about that the word kind of about um, intercessor, intercessory prayer, and how that maybe looked different than you thought it looked? Come on. Come on, God. We need intercessors. We need prayer. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Man. I'm just going to pray, and then uh, I'm just going to let you guys get prayer if you want to come forward in a minute. If our prayer team, come on up. If you're on our prayer team, I love you. Come on up. Um, should we get your, yeah, the intern team too. Why don't you guys, if, is that okay? We, cool, we're just going to pull on you guys. I know what it's like. Come on. All right, so we, we have a pretty awesome team up here. Chad's here hanging out. Um, and so if you, if you want to get prayer, if you want a word from the Lord, these, uh, these, uh, these interns, these students from Bethel are just, they're loaded. Um, and our prayer team is loaded. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father, <laughs> Father, I thank you for, uh, for church. I thank you for church, a place that we get to come to and be encouraged and be filled up and overflowed. Wow. Father, I pray that today overflowed every single person here and that it would create a whole new high watermark in their life to do life from, Lord. Not that they would be empty and have to come back next Sunday, God, but they would be going from glory to glory and strength to strength. So, Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit deposit that was given by, uh, by, by Chad. And I just want everyone here to know that if you, if you receive his message and you honor it in your life, you get the impartation. It doesn't have to be laying on of hands. Well, if you want him to, you can. But you can actually receive and live out um, the wild adventures that Chad has in your own authentic way. So I encourage you, just ask that. Ask the Father how to do that. Father, thank you for this incredible family and all the visitors here. God, may they never be the same. Amen. Amen. Have a great weekend, you guys. Come on up. We'll get the music up. If you want to give um, one last time, I'm just going to give a plug because I want to sow into his life. We have a, a bucket up here right in the podium. Just go ahead and bring him um, cash. If you want to make a check out to him, it goes in uh, or, or presence OC. Just make sure his name is on it. All right. Bless you guys.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.